1: En boca, no comer.
0: Mm. Años Ahora años. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to the last symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, or what, as my unofficial title goes, the creator and host of all things last symptom related. That voice you were just listening to. Is my four year old daughter, Eloise. I sat down with Eloise this morning and had a little discussion that I recorded for your and my pleasure, and we'll get to hear the rest of that discussion here in a bit. Before we get into that, let me tell you about thelastsymptom.com, which is my website full of growing free resources for those who are interested specifically an authentic, full recovery from borderline personality disorder. By extension, the site is also intended as a resource for anybody dealing with emotional disorders in general, and it is especially intended as a resource for anybody who has ever been hurt by those with emotional disorders and who is now trying to make sense of that experience. While you're visiting thelastsymptom.com, If you get the itch to support my overall body of work, which includes this weekly podcast, you can do so by means of a donation right from thelastsymptom.com. You can also schedule personal conversations with me there if that's something that interests you. You can sponsor calls for those who can't afford to reimburse me for my time if that's something you'd like to do. Well, the main topic of today's show that I'd like to get into here shortly is ways to identify a bad therapist. But before we do that, let me set you up for this conversation with my daughter that we're about to hear. Some of you know that my daughter is Honduran American. Spanish is her primary language, but I've been allowing her to speak more and more in English lately as she inches ever closer Her first day of school. So, some of what you'll hear from her will be in Spanish and the rest is in English. What I did was allow her to speak in Spanish, but then I tried to repeat the same parts of those Spanish portions of conversation with her again in English for the benefit of all you crazy daisy English speakers out there. Now, I need to tell you that my daughter loves to do girly things, like dress up elegantly and put on her pretend makeup, and dance in the living room to music. And at first, when Arliss chewed up her shoes, I didn't think much about it. In fact, I laughed. (laughs) Because what we're talking about here are cheap, rubbery shoes that can be easily replaced, and they're not shoes my daughter wears except to play princess in and to dance around in. It was when my daughter told me, "'Those were my dancing shoes, Daddy!' And her voice cracked a little like that, as if she wanted to cry. This was when I had a flash of images in my head of being her age and having things that mattered greatly to me that nobody else could see value in. And how much it hurt to have my parents or anybody else act with indifference to my property. You know, even today... As an adult, you probably perceive the way people view your property as a direct reflection on how much they value or do not value you yourself, right? Well, that was kind of the flash of insight that I had when this whole shoe chewing event went down. And when I had this flash of empathy, it immediately snapped me out of this mindset that it was no big deal. That Arles had chewed up her shoes, and I immediately saw that it was, in fact, a very big deal. So there's the setup, and here's my daughter, my sweet Eloise, age four.
1: ¿Puedo abrir aquí? See. ¿Sí? Bueno, um, tú tomas agua todo el día. Eso es gracioso, pero no sé. Bueno. ¿Qué hablamos del doctor?
0: Estábamos viendo zapatos... Y te encontramos unos zapatos nuevos, ¿verdad?
1: Porque, porque me, porque Arles me comió los otros.
0: Uh-huh. De eso yo quería hablar. ¿Cómo te sentiste cuando hablas comió tus zapatos?
1: Me sentí triste. Eso quebró mi corazón.
0: Uh-huh. ¿Para qué usabas es, esos zapatos?
1: Para bailar.
0: Uh-huh. Así que te eran zapatos muy especiales, ¿verdad? Hablamos un poco en inglés, eh? Okay. So, yesterday.
1: Yesterday, yeah.
0: Yesterday we went to
1: the, the shoe store.
0: Yeah, but first where did we go?
1: Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm going to talk right. We went to the doctor of puppies and then to the I almost said doctor again.
0: Well, it's uh the doc, the the puppy doctor. Is actually called a veterinarian, we but went, I understand what you're saying.
1: We went to the vet, to the doctor of puppies, mm-hmm. and then we went to the store shoes, and then we got my shoes mm-hmm. because because Arliss just tear up my shoes and buy them. That's
0: right. You had some shoes that you use for dancing, right? You like to dress up in your dress, uh-huh. and then you're— you call them your dance shoes.
1: Yeah, but and,
0: and then when I play music, you can come out and you dance to the music, don't you? And so these shoes were really nice shoes that you loved.
1: They they had flowers, and then when and I didn't, it made me mad when artists bite my shoes of dancing.
0: Yeah, and. I laughed at first, didn't I? Because I thought.
1: Can we talk in Spanish again?
0: Okay, if you want to.
1: Okay. I'll do. Okay. Lo llamó los zapatos dorados con los. con los. que
0: tenían las flores.
1: Sí.
0: Y eran como un poco brillantes, ¿verdad? Sí. They were like bright shoes.
1: Yeah. Eran todos dorados. Mm.
0: Mm. Dorados.
1: No quiero decir pedo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't want to say pedo <laughs> Why not?
1: Porque no es importante.
0: This morning, uh, what did you say you were what kind of uh checkup did you say you were given Arlos? también. Yeah, you were playing doctor and you were giving him a checkup and you said Arlos. This is a fart checkup.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man, that was funny. <laughs>
1: How did
0: you come up with that?
1: Because it's because it's red or something.
0: Fart checkup. That's really funny.
1: Yeah, because it's like right, that color.
0: uh uh-huh. Green. Green. Yeah.
1: It's like right, that color green, and that's why.
0: And the color green makes you think of farts.
1: Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> it's because that's, because the, it's porque, ¿cómo se, se llama, ro, rojo?
0: Red. Ro- rojo is the color of una manzana, right? Verde is el color de la grama, right? So verde is green, and that's the color of grass, and then rojo right. is red, and that's the color of an apple. Most apples. Oye, papá. Mm-hmm.
1: Yo no sé ese color todavía.
0: I know, honey. You're having a little trouble with that, aren't you? hmm This is green or verde. Oye, papá. Uh-huh.
1: El green, el green Yeah. is pero. Pero <laughs> es, por eso es...
0: <laughs> green makes you think of farts.
1: Por eso es pero. Okay. Por eso lo llamo pero. Porque es como rojo.
0: I understand.
1: I understand, too.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, tell the folks here uh, more about this. these shoes. So, Arlos he chewed up your shoes, your dancing shoes, uh-huh. which are were not expensive. Why yet. do you
1: call them folks?
0: The people that will be hearing us. People that will listen to us. You know, como la gente. La gente que nos escucha. All right. So.
1: We ha- I had shoes they make me mad when Arlo's chewed up my shoes. Well, it's not funny.
0: I know, and I want to describe them. They are just rubber shoes so that they weren't expensive. And when Arlo chewed up your shoes, I laughed at first, didn't I? Because I thought, well, we can just replace those shoes. It's no big deal. But then, um, what did you tell me? How did it make you feel?
1: I said it broke my heart.
0: Yes. And then, you know what? That was when I realized that these shoes were not just shoes that could be replaced for you. These were very special for you because they were your dancing shoes. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then, guess what? Then my heart was broken, too. Why? Well, because I knew that Arliss had chewed up something that was really important to you. So, yesterday, we went to the shoe store. Did we find anything good? What did we find? What are those?
1: Shoes
0: dancing. Dancing shoes, huh? Dancing shoes. And do you want to describe them? What, do, what color are they?
1: They're, um, they're... They're. Yeah. They're shiny. hmm And is. They um, have a heel on it? And it had a heel.
0: This is your first shoe that has a heel on it, isn't it?
1: This is my first shoe that has like a heel and it's yeah. sparkly.
0: Sparkly, yeah, you're right.
1: And this is my newest ones because this are, we went to the shoe store.
0: Mm-hmm. You keep talking. You don't, you don't have to be so close. You, it'll hear you from here. Okay? Yeah. escucha desde aquí. No tienes que poner la cara bien cerca.
1: You know, and this is... It's like a mirror. I can see... I cannot see my
0: it's, face it's because... It's silvery.
1: It's silvery.
0: Yeah. And... Uh,
1: it's a little dirty down here.
0: Yeah. But so these are your new dance shoes, aren't they? And you've been wearing them around the house. They're very... These are the probably the fanciest shoes you've ever had.
1: Look how I use them. Okay. Right.
0: Is that how you put it on? Ah. There mm-hmm. you go. Oh, that's nice. Right there. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: We got them ready. And it's not too dirty, but it's already dirty.
0: So, we got your new dance shoes. And uh, you're feeling better about all that, aren't you?
1: And I rather keep this, too.
0: Oh, I don't. Yeah, those are your new ones. I don't want him to chew those up. So, we just got to keep him out of his path. So, how are things going with you and Arliss? Is he a good dog? Yeah. He's a good dog. He's just a baby. And he's still learning, like you're learning, right? And like I'm learning. Guess when I'm gonna stop learning? When? Two hundred million trillion years from now, and only then. I'm learning every day. So we gotta be easy on ourselves, don't we? Mm-hmm. Gotta be nice to ourselves.
1: Yeah, nice.
0: And patient.
1: Yeah, patient. I don't want you to just jump around and around and walking and uh, up there. On the ceiling? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Eloise, Kathleen, I've enjoyed Good. talking to you today.
1: Good. Thank you.
0: I love you mucho. Mucho.
1: <laughs> oh, <Kahoot>. oh. <laughs> You're making me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, thank you for helping me out today. I'm going to turn this off, all right? Mm. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. All right, the main topic for today, ways to identify bad therapists. Got your pen and paper ready? Number one, if your therapist does not know the difference between the terms mental illness and emotional disorder, you have a terrible therapist. How will you know if your therapist understands the difference and significance between these two things? Like this, he or she will not use the terms interchangeably. Also, he or she will not talk about mental health, quote unquote, issues when what he or she really means is emotional health issues. Just recently, the subject has come up on my group again, so let's just run over some relevant details. One person says that uh, she recently asked, can BPD start with a grandparent and affect a grandchild? And a doctor told her uh, that borderline personality disorder comes from a predisposition for this mental illness, which is borderline personality disorder. So, If this is your doctor, immediately fire that doctor. Borderline personality disorder is an emotional disorder, not a mental illness. What's the difference? A mental illness is a physical problem. It deals with the the functioning of your brain. That's a mental illness. An emotional disorder is built simply on misconceptions about the nature of fundamental aspects of life. The true nature of feelings, true nature of self, true nature of life. So if your doctor don't know this, uh, maybe you should go to school for another seven years. Borderline personality disorder is an emotional disorder, not a mental illness. And while it's inherited in every case, notice what I'm saying. It's inherited in every case. I'm not saying it's genetically passed on. I'm saying it's inherited in every case. What else do you inherit? From your family. You inherit lots of things. You inherit your culture from your family. It's a learned aspect of your life. Likewise, borderline personality disorder is a learned aspect of your life, just like culture. Subtle, distorted misconceptions about the nature of feelings, self, and life get communicated and passed on through family members' unhealthy attitudes. The unhealthy attitudes that they walk around with communicates unhealthy ideas to you as a child, which you then adopt. This creates a whole bubble atmosphere in these families. All of the members walking around living with the same subtle unhealthy misconceptions. And new children are born. And they're born into this environment. And of course, they get communicated these same misconceptions through the unhealthy attitudes of their fa- other family members, which they then adopt. And this, and it just, you know, goes on and on from family members to family members. So that's the first one. <clears throat> if your therapist doesn't know the difference between mental illness and emotional disorder, get rid of them. Number two. If your therapist insists on focusing on genetics, fire your therapist and go interview a different one like yesterday. In other words, don't wait around. Just get rid of that person. They're not going to be able to help you at all. Notice this conversation I had with somebody this morning and how destructive it is and how much time and energy is wasted away for no practical, constructive reason. The person says, I'm curious, Brian, if maybe you know any scientists or individuals in the professional group that would be willing to do a full study related to genetics from start to finish. And here was my response. Why is it relevant? Why would that study be relevant? The answer is that if authentic recovery is your objective, this never dying subject of genetics is not relevant at all. It's not relevant at all. If you're simply curious, and that's why you want to know what is happening on a microscopic scale, it's still not relevant for purposes of recovery. Knowing what is happening on a microscopic scale will not facilitate what you simply still have to do in order to authentically recover in any way. While wondering about this issue and does not contribute in any way toward your practical advancement in your recovery, it does contribute to obstructing your recovery. In what way? It's because this type of thinking is misdirection. You know, Think about what misdirection is. You're on a trip, okay, and you're trying to get from point A to point B, and the GPS tells you to go 40,000 miles out of your way. This misdirection is a waste of effort. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of your resources when you could just go from A to B in the straightest path, right? So you got to identify anything that's misdirection and not fall prey to it. Why do the technicalities of what happens on a microscopic scale matter? The truth is they don't matter. Not you or anybody else needs to know what happens microscopically in order for you to begin getting better. No matter what's happening microscopically, borderline personality disorder is curable and the steps to curing it remain the same for everybody. Now listen closely, because borderline personality disorder is caused by subtle misconceptions about the nature of feelings, self, and life. It's a disorder that's born from poor emotional education, nothing more. No pill, no surgery, no CRISPR gene editing will ever be designed to straighten out your or anybody else's misconceptions. Do you know what the only thing is that straightens out misconceptions? Misconceptions. Accurate insights. A pill can't give you accurate insights. CRISPR gene editing can't grant you accurate insights. Nothing that is learned that has to be relearned can be done via a laser, a pill, a surgery, gene editing, nothing. Nothing. So the only thing that is relevant is... Can borderline personality disorder be eliminated? Yes, it can. If you understand the true nature of what it is and what it is not, and if you unlearn and then relearn some very fundamental aspects of life, nothing, absolutely nothing, that anybody will ever see under a microscope changes these two realities. One, that borderline personality disorder is curable. Two, that to be cured, you have to unlearn some things and relearn those things in a more accurate way. No shortcuts, ladies and gentlemen. Do you see how a good therapist will be able to maintain focus on what matters, which is anything that can contribute in a constructive or practical way to your efforts to totally rid yourself of borderline personality disorder or any emotional disorder, and this same therapist will at the same time not get sidetracked by irrelevant things that do not contribute in any practical way toward that goal. Do you see how time and energy spent sidetracked on anything that does not constructively contribute in any way to your real objective is misdirection. It's a total waste of time, energy, and resources. Good therapists have the wisdom and the insight to not only know this, but they'll be good at identifying where you're getting off track, and then that therapist will be good at pulling your focus back to center. Number three, if your therapist even implies that borderline personality disorder and PTSD are rooted in the same causes or that they're the same things. You have the worst therapist of all time. Fire him immediately. This is evidence that he does not even understand the most basic fundamentals of what he's supposed to be an authority on. And if he doesn't know the most basic fundamentals, he's totally worthless to you. In fact, it's worse than that. This therapist we've just described will actively poison your brain and actively prevent you from making any progress whatsoever. You do not want anybody in your life like this, particularly if they're a quote-unquote professional. This came up recently and by a member who wanted to make this argument with me. And after a very, very brief conversation, once I realized which direction he was going in, I removed him from my group because I found out he was a therapist. So therapist has been in my group for a while who uh, wants to argue that borderline personality disorder and PTSD are the same things. They're not, and don't let anybody poison your brain with this sort of misinformation. Number four, if your therapist is good talking about and listening to your problems, but never offers any solutions, you have a bad therapist. In fact, in your everyday life, beware of this deceptiveness. For example, before you ever save or forward a meme, you know what memes are. They're the squares that have writing in them, usually quotes or sometimes they're jokes or sometimes they pretend to offer some profound insight on something. So before you ever save or forward any of these memes, ask yourself, is this merely talking about a problem? Or does this actually offer some insight or solution to a problem? If it's only talking about a problem... It's trash. No matter how good it feels to see somebody express what you yourself might also feel or think, if they aren't offering a solution, or at least insights that can lead to a solution, they're wasting your time. It's a waste of your time. It's the illusion of being something beneficial, you see, but without any benefit. For example, I may come across a meme that is a picture of a dad with his daughter, silhouetted against a sunset. And the meme might say something like, time goes quickly, little girls quickly grow into women, and off they go. Yeah, I'm just making this up, but imagine a meme that says that. Time goes quickly, little girls quickly grow into women, and off they go. And maybe I think, golly, that's so true. And I feel touched, and I want to save it or pass it around to all my friends. But if I stop for a moment and ask myself, is this talking about a problem while offering no solution? I see that in this case it is. It's only presenting a problem but offering no solution. So the meme is doing nothing but wasting my time. Now, if the same meme of the father and daughter in the sunset were to say something like this, Time goes quickly. Little girls quickly grow into women, and off they go. Buy out time daily to spend with your little girl. Now do you see how the meme not only talks about a problem, but it also offers a practical solution or insight. Buy out time. Proactively set aside time to enjoy time with your daughter while you are able to do so. It doesn't simply state the problem, but then offer no solutions, you see? This is something I see incessantly in today's world. I see this incessant pattern of talking about problems while offering no constructive solutions all the time. I mean, everywhere you look, where I grew up, uh, you know, men especially consider it a matter of pride to not complain. So no matter what they're going through, they view complaining in my culture as an unattractive quality. The reason for that is because if you're going to use the energy to complain, why not use the same energy to think up a solution or to work out a solution? You see, it you can use the energy to complain just for the sake of complaining. Or you can adjust your attitude and use that same energy and time to concoct a solution to that problem. Then you don't have to complain. (laughs) Right? So beware of these messages out in the world that seem to be special and have value, but it's just a powerful illusion. They don't have value. And too many therapists... Too many therapists make obnoxious, extravagant livings off mastering this deceptive con-artistry. So always ask yourself, is this person seeming to offer me a lot? But when I really think about it, are they simply talking about problems while offering no practical solutions? That's the qualifier right there. So that you're not wasting your time, always ask yourself, is this offering an insight that can lead to a solution or is it offering a solution? If not, don't mess with it. Number five, if your therapist uses their academic accomplishments as proof that they know what they are talking about and as the reason why you should trust them, you have a bad therapist. Why do I say this? Because academic accomplishments do not equal true understanding or insight, and a person with true understanding or insight on a matter does not depend on certificates or documents to make their cases for them. A person who depends on a document hanging on a wall to present a case does so because they have no case so they instead resort to showing off this external superficial thing as the foundation of their entire argument. Now, notice that I'm not saying that academic accomplishments are bad or anything to be ashamed of. That's not my message at all. What I'm saying is that a person who has genuine insight and understanding on a situation can communicate that insight and understanding just fine so that it's obvious they truly know what they're talking about without them ever having to bring up their academic experience or background. Therapists are no different than plumbers or mechanics or electricians or doctors or carpenters or anybody in any other profession in the sense that qualifying to be a plumber does not in itself mean that you are a good plumber. In every field you can imagine, no matter how many years of school any person has under their belt, you will find more mediocre workers in that field than truly skilled and insightful workers. And when we're talking about therapists and psychologists, the real skill needed for that job is insight. Without it, it doesn't matter how well-versed on book knowledge and superficial studies the individual might be. If they don't also have insight, they will not understand any of the subtleties enough to be very helpful to you. Insight is not something your psychology degree bestows upon you. In other words, you can't pay for insight. The therapists who are going to be most helpful to you are those who have this rare and valuable quality of insight. Number six, if your therapist gives the impression that you are working for her or him, rather than the other way around, you have a bad therapist. Somebody recently said this to me, my psychiatrist of 10 years always told me that borderline personality disorder did not fit my temperament She ended up firing me after I became high risk. And this is what I've got to say about that. This is a problem of this person's own perceptions. Therapists can't fire you because you're not working for them. They're working for you. You've hired them. So my recommendation is to grant a therapist one or two interviews that is sessions and if it don't feel right fire them and move on there's no shortage of therapists ladies and gentlemen okay so there's no sense in staying with somebody who's not helping you or that doesn't the, the relationship doesn't feel right you are employing them not the other way around if any therapist by their attitude disagrees with the true nature of what I've just described, don't even hire him for a single interview. Move on immediately. (laughs) There are thousands of more bad therapists than there are good therapists, and you've got no time to waste, right? You're not interested in wasting time or money supporting or just blowing your time away on any of the bad ones. It's like a book, you know. There are thousands of books I want to get around to reading. Good books. And you know what? I'll never have time in a single lifetime to get to all these truly great books. So the only solution is to apply the 20% rule. Every book that I pick up to read gets 20% of my time to grab me. If a 100-page book can't grab me within the first 20 pages, I'm tossing it in the garbage and I'm moving on. There are too many genuinely excellent books out there for me to waste any more time than this on the trash. Do the same thing with therapists. There's too many of them, and most of them are lousy. You want the good ones. Number seven, If your therapist is not willing to share details of her or his own past issues, you have a bad therapist. The best therapists are those who entered the field of psychology because they themselves were dealing with an emotional disorder that they had to overcome. These therapists understand that trust, intimacy, and honest sharing are imperative for them to be effective at helping anybody else. Now, just like you don't meet somebody on the very first day and immediately share all of your most sensitive secrets, you can't expect this of your therapist either. But as the two of you go developing a relationship in your work together, the therapist should begin to open up to you too. Not just one-sided where you're the one who has to do all the sharing while the therapist just coldly sits there jotting things down in a notebook like you see on TV. When I was in Arizona attending the intensive program I often talk about, the owner of this program actually invited me out to his house one day, his personal house. So typically I would get an hour scheduled with him uh, at the institute, and we would go into his office or whatever. This day he specifically had his secretary schedule me uh, for that time, out at his house and she gave me his address and I drove out to his house, which was about a half hour out of side of Scottsdale, out into the desert to this person's house. Who's an author and a celebrated voice in the psychology world. We sat for a little bit and we drank coffee in his house and talked. And then he said, Hey, how you feel about taking a walk? And I said, sure. So me and this This guy, this, I want to say famous guy, because, I mean, he is known. um, He and I walked around his neighborhood for about an hour and continued talking. And he openly and honestly answered any questions I had, some of which were extremely personal. And, you know, think about the trust that that took on his part. I could share those things with you right now. I could share who he is. And share these personal things that he shared with me in confidence with you. He he didn't know me all that well. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. I'm simply mentioning that to show the level of intimacy and trust that he was willing to share with me rather than uh, simply expecting me to do all the talking and sharing. So this is the sign of not just a good therapist, but an amazing therapist. We're talking about league of his own type stuff. So while you may not be able to expect exactly this level of openness and sharing from your specific therapist in your town, it's not too much to expect, at the very least, this same spirit of sharing and openness. So there you have it. Seven ways to identify a bad therapist. There's more, uh, but those seven will get you started pretty good, I think. Well, cowgirls and cowboys, we've reached the end of our program. Remember to run over to thelastsymptom.com and support my work or take advantage of the many resources there. And here we are. We've reached the infamous Encouraging Finale. Have you ever gone hunting? Have you ever hunted for snipe? Well, if you haven't, you've been missing out. Where I'm from, one of the first things we like to do when we get somebody visiting from the city is to wait until late at night and take them out into the woods snipe hunting. We all get together in our pickup trucks and we drive out to the remote back roads of the woods. When we find a good spot out in the middle of nowhere, we park and we all start combing the woods looking for Snipe. When you see one, you just club it and bring it back to the truck. City boys who don't know what Snipe look like usually have a lot of questions about what it is exactly that they're looking for. Don't worry, don't worry, we often tell them. And we give them a vague description of what it is we're looking for. Trust us, we tell them. You'll know what it is when you see it. the thing, there is no such thing as an animal called a snipe. It's just an imaginary animal. The purpose of snipe hunting <laughs> is to get a city boy way out of town, trudging through the woods, hunting an imaginary animal. And when the time is right, everybody hops in their trucks and drives away, leaving the city slicker to figure out that he's had a practical joke pulled on him. And walking back to town, cursing everybody under his breath. Something tells me I just saved thousands of people from becoming the next generation of suckers to this old Appalachian favorite practical joke.